0: Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our meditation on this Lenten evening is taken from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, verse 46. From the cross, Jesus cries these words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Forsaken is the fourth word that Jesus spoke from the cross. And it's the word that will receive all of our attention tonight. I checked this word out in the original Greek just to make sure that it didn't have a hidden or a special meaning as oftentimes these words do. It did not. In the Greek or in the English, forsaken means just what you might expect it to mean, to abandon or to leave behind. And because Jesus is actually quoting Psalm 22, verse 1, when he cries, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I checked out the Hebrew translation of forsaken too. No big surprise there either. In Hebrew... Forsaken means to abandon as well. So it's pretty clear that when Jesus cries out for the fourth time on the cross, what he is simply but powerfully saying is this, My God, why have you abandoned me? The other night I was trying to buy something online, but I was becoming frustrated. Oh, I found the product that I needed, but there was no price list it. So to find the cost of my item, I was told to proceed all the way to the checkout. Has that ever happened to you? And I get it. I understand, uh, you know, the marketing behind that kind of ploy. They want to take you to checkout, figuring that, you know, if you're there, you're going to buy it no matter what. But But really, just show me the cost from the get-go. This fourth word of Jesus Christ is Openly, and it clearly reveals the cost that he was willing to pay for your sins. One commentator said that when any Christian reads this verse, they should take off their shoes because they're standing on holy ground. And holy it is, for to fully cover the cost of your broken relationship with God, Jesus had to be abandoned He had to experience his heavenly father turning his back on him. And that hurt. That damaged Jesus much more than the scourge whip or the nails or the thorns or the spear. More than you could ever imagine You know, anyone who reads the gospel and sinks their heart into the gospel can't fail to notice the close relationship that Jesus had with his heavenly Father. I have to be about my father's business, he tells uh, Mary and Joseph as a 12-year-old. The Father's voice booms out with approval at Christ's baptism. And on that transfiguration hill, this is my beloved Son whom I love. Listen to him. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they all report that many times Jesus would sneak away from the crowds or, or even sneak away from those disciples for some quiet time with his Father. And it's no accident that the last hour of freedom that Jesus enjoys before his arrest is spent with his face in the dirt in the garden praying to his father. Oh, these two, father and son, they were tight, they were close, they were inseparable in ways that our puny human intellect cannot comprehend both of them, both God of very God with a capital G. Both of them joint persons of the Holy Trinity. Both of them co-creators of the universe. No relationship could be closer than that. It's said that when Martin Luther once tried to write a sermon on this text, He sat motionless for hours as he pondered the mystery of the words, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And after hours of meditation, he arose, and someone heard him exclaim, God, forsaking God, no one can understand this. And Luther is right on the money. No person can fully comprehend how tortured Jesus was on the cross at the moment when his father no longer hurt and no longer answered his prayers. How it tore the heart from his chest you know, when at all he needed was his dad. And yet his father abandoned him. He leaves him to die all alone. His father is silent. But it had to be done. It had to be done for you. Jesus had to take your place. There's a beautiful legend about Barabbas, the criminal whom Pilate set free and then sentenced Jesus to death instead. It's said that when Barabbas was set free, he rushed to a local inn where he drunkenly celebrated his newfound freedom with his friends. But later that afternoon, as he stumbled home, he happened to pass by the hill of the skull. And the three crosses outlined upon the darkened horizon drew him like a magnet to the foot of the very center cross. And slowly he looked upward and took in the broken and crucified body of Jesus, and flinging his arm across his eyes, he cried out, "'My God, that's my cross!' He's dying a pot. Is that story mere fable? Perhaps. But what is absolutely non-fictional is that the cross of Jesus belonged to you. What is true beyond a shadow of a doubt, and will always be true, is that God should have abandoned you, and God should have abandoned me instead of his son because that's the wages, isn't it? The price of sin has always been death, always will, and not just any death, but an eternity spent separated and apart from God. Isaiah talks about this in Isaiah 59, verse 2, and says, But your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. Sin and death are nothing but separation from the Father. Mark Twain once said flippantly, he said, I'll take heaven for comfort and hell for company, meaning he'd have more friends in hell than heaven. But there is no friendship in hell or companionship or fun uh, either because hell is where you are totally alone and totally separated from your God for time unending. But that will never be your future, and that will never be my future either because Jesus took your place and Jesus took your sin. And Jesus was forsaken, not you. The Father turned his back on his Son instead of you. And now tonight, on this Lenten night, I can tell you that God will never abandon you. I'm going to say that again. God will never abandon you. You know that according to the book of Revelation, the first thing that you will experience in heaven is the finger of God wiping the last tear away from your eyes that you cried on this earth. Because of Christ, God will never forsake you. And you need to hear this tonight, don't you? I know you need to hear it. Amid all of the corona fear squeezing our world and your family and your life right now, this is what you need to hear more than anything else. And I can say it to you tonight because it's true. God will never leave you to deal with this life all alone. I mean, don't you remember? Don't you remember what God promises in Romans eight thirty two? What does Paul say? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? He who did not spare his own son. There's no way There's no way that God will abandon you tonight or tomorrow or the day after that. There's no way that God is going to take his ball and go home and let you muddle through this sin and virus-tainted life all by yourself. Look at the cross. Look at Jesus. Look at him. Look at all that God has invested in your forgiveness and your salvation to make sure that you have a place next to him in paradise. Come on. God has way too much skin in the game to ever walk away from you now. And he won't. Forsaken, abandoned, all alone. That's the fourth word from the cross. That's what God did to Jesus That's what Jesus experienced so that you will never have to. Amen. And the peace in Christ that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.